This is uh, week two of our new series entitled Uncomfortable. Look at your neighbor and say, you look uncomfortable. <laughs> Leslie's guitar just made that uncomfortable. The hard work gets done when we face the uncomfortable circumstances headlong. Then we can mitigate the root cause of the problem that we're facing. I often say that life is for living. But unfortunately, too many of us Christians are living out our lives for ourselves and our own benefit. Christ came to our world, not to live for himself, but to make a way where there seemed to be no way. He fixed our problem. Amen. He was already in heaven and was going to live there eternally. But he wanted us to have a chance to experience heaven too. When are we going to lay down our lives for the sake of the gospel? The only way that's going to happen is for us to get uncomfortable. Last week, Leslie uh, began this series in week one, and such a beautiful opportunity to be back here in the church and the building and I get to experience this all over again. And it got uncomfortable when it was too hot here last week. So Leslie's freezing us out today, so I can't feel my fingers. If you can't either, then you understand the uncomfortableness of the situation. But it's fixing to get hot in here. But we're not taking off all of our clothes. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say that was uncomfortable. The older adults, that's a song that kids listened to a while back. I appreciate her forwardness and her frank sermon. But I want you to know I'm naturally a people pleaser and I don't want to hurt anyone or for anyone to be mad at me. Leslie just don't care. <laughs> it's just... You get what you get, and don't throw a fit. She says that all the time to the kids at school, so if your kids has ever had her teaching or substitute teaching, you understand what you're getting with Leslie. And she told about how that Jesus lived outside the gates and that during his death, his burial, and his resurrection, that he was existing outside the gates. And when we're not in the in crowd or the most notable person in the world, it's easy to feel uncomfortable when we get in situations with people with more influence than us. Amen. 
or somebody with more authority than us. How many gets uncomfortable when you drive down the road and you see a specific type of car sitting there with a specific type of arrangement on the top of the car? Blue lights. How many gets uncomfortable? Show of hands when you're driving by. Even if you're doing nothing wrong, you can be going to speed limit and you drive by and you'll slow down even more. Especially in speed traps. So I travel up 52 over in Ohio um, every day going to work. Well, not every day of work days I do. But as you're going up through there, you know it's a speed trap through Hanging Rock. You know that they make their living as a city off of innocent people just driving by to go to work. So if there's any cops listening by Hanging Rock, uh, I drive a 1992 Ford Focus. purple because <laughs> people hold grudges <laughs> but when you're around somebody with authority it's uncomfortable just being around them because they have that influence or authority but how many knows they need Jesus too the apostle Paul didn't look at people according to their class, according to the world they was born, according to their education level, according to anything. He looked at them as humans in need of a Savior. And he lived his life and he accomplished so much because he had no limitations or no barriers that he wasn't willing to to cross but in that he was uncomfortable a lot of times he faced a lot throughout his journeys he went on three different missionary journeys and you can study about these and he did many exploits which means that God did great things through the life of Paul how many is tired of living for yourself and our own comfort and I want to do something for him. I want to make the gospel known throughout the earth. Amen. Through and by my actions, my words, my deeds. But sometimes that puts us in uncomfortable situations. And we just need to accept that and say that's okay. Our prayer throughout this sermon series is going to be God make us uncomfortable. How many would pray that with me right now? Eyes open and say, God, make us uncomfortable. That's a very uncomfortable prayer to pray because you know when you say that, if you mean it, that God can make you uncomfortable pretty quick. He can put you in a situation like that that will change everything. So I want to read this letter that Paul uh, wrote to the church at Thessalonica around 2,000 years ago, but it applies to us today. And then I want to do something a little bit different. I'm going to make some people uncomfortable. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope that's you. 
Here we go. This letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're writing to the church in Thessalonica that you would, that you who belong to God, the Father and Lord Jesus Christ, may God give you the grace and peace. We always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. As we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope that you have because of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and he's chosen you to be his own people. For when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you the full assurance that what we said was true. And you know of our concern for you from the way we lived when we were there with you. So you receive the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. In spite of the severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. As a result, you have become an example to all believers in Greece throughout both Macedonia and Archaea. And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to the people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Archaea, for wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it, for they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living God. And they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. So as Paul, Timothy, and their friend, great friend, Silas, were writing these words back to the church at Thessalonica, they had lived there. They had had communion. They had had fellowship. They had had life examples and problems and situations that they had faced together. So as Paul was writing back to them, he was encouraging them it wasn't just Paul, it was from all three of them, of how great of a thing that God had done through them coming to Jesus. That people all over, not just their hometown, not just the neighboring city or county, but the whole region had been changed because of their salvation. So it makes me wonder if we're being too comfortable existing in our own little world and that God wants us to be uncomfortable and he's getting ready to put us in the hot seat so when we prayed a minute ago God make us uncomfortable basically what we were praying was God put me in the hot seat right so everybody knows kind of how hot seats work right like like this. Oh, here, here's another seat over here. This looks like a good hot seat too. Let's move this one. Well, this is in the way. That'll be blocking them, so we don't want that. 
Let's move this over here. This doesn't need to be here. That's probably in the way. Three foam <coughs> strand is not easily broken, so let's steal this one. Put this up here. <sighs> I feel better already. How about you? Everybody feeling all right? It's getting tense in here. I'm used to it. I'll live with you. Yeah. Everybody loves when they ask me questions. But oh, I can't see people. I need to move this again. This is making me uncomfortable. This is uncomfortable. I'm moving this over here. Probably need my Bible too. I'm gonna bring this down here. Um, because when they ask me a question, I usually answer with the question. Because that's what Jesus did. I won't be like Jesus. So when people start asking you questions, just ask them a question. You ever went to a lawyer? Anybody ever been to a lawyer? You ever ask a lawyer a question? How many leaves more confused after you left the lawyer than when you went? <laughs> they are very gifted and trained <laughs> to not answer, but to make you think. So... Um, we got two empty chairs, and I was praying this morning for two people to be here, and wouldn't you know it, God would have you to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, God made me come. <laughs> he made me be, he made me come here. I, I'm at the bridge today, and what a wonderful place this is. This is so awesome. I'm just so glad I'm here. It's, it's just so exciting, isn't it? And the fear and the dread and the worry and the excessive heart palpitations that's happening in this moment is just very uncomfortable in a lot of ways. <sighs> this is even making me uncomfortable now. So my two people that's going to come up are I wish Dusty was here for a drum roll <sighs> is anybody praying it's not me some people in here praying whatever God I'll do anything <laughs> just don't have men calling me whatever anything I'll do it Jesus I'll do anything but not that so Ashley you're up I thought you were going to say that. I thought you were going to say that. 
uh, give her that microphone there, Leslie, please, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So. There's no preparation, correct? Okay. You're, yeah, it's good. So all is well. I mean, you line up the buses. I am a traffic controller. Yeah, that's, I mean, you're perfectly comfortable in front of people, I think. It's getting hot in here. Oh, I'm ready. Yeah. Mic check, check, check. I'm so excited. <laughs> She's not uncomfortable at all, you can tell. <laughs> know, wrong person. <laughs> She's uncomfortable because she don't know what I'm going to do. She's a little bit uncomfortable, and her uh, outward appearance seems very uh, acceptable of the moment. Uh, do you care to state your name? Hi, my name is Ashley Willis. I'm a registered Republican. Oh, I teach PE at Lewis County Central for 20 years. I've been teaching. <laughs> 21 years. Is there anybody in this room that you've taught? Yes. Okay. Do you care to have them raise your hand? Raise your hand. Oh, what a good And now tree. I have their babies' babies. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm old. It's yeah. okay. I can't wait to uh, see Yeah, we'll name. need that for the next person. Yeah. yeah. You know, the next person will definitely need a microphone. Um, when did you come to Jesus? When I was 13, I was saved in a community church, Rubyville Community Church. I was baptized. Um, I reclaimed, is that the word? Rededicated um, two years ago. Two years ago. Mm -hmm. So at 13, you made a decision to follow Christ. How honest do you want me to be? Don't be it. Very honest. Okay. I grew up in a church... <laughs> where um, women wore skirts. Mm -hmm. um, your dress code was set. We, we was all going to hell, so it didn't matter. So at 13 at church camp, um, I was saved. I was baptized um, because that's what we did. So yes, I have been baptized. Yes, I have been saved. Yes, I have rededicated. So I feel better. I do not have religion. I have a relationship with Christ. Um, if you know my... I, Go ahead. <laughs> um, if you know my family's story, my sister was an addict. She has spoke before. Um, we've been to hell. And now we're all coming out on the other side of it. Now I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> I get so emotional. That's good news. <coughs> so Christ can help with addiction. That's the only way. That is the only way. I believe that's a true statement. Yes. So we, um, my mom and my sister, and if I'm not here, I'm there. We are with a church that runs a faith-based rehab. So we believe that it's a soul-changing. It's not a... Um, we believe that to overcome addiction, you have to change the soul. And you can't cover addiction becoming addicted to the government's drug. So that's how um, we believe. So if you have any questions about that, you can see me about that too. And it's a beautiful thing because like Alicia and Tiffany's cousin um, is pretty vocal about her um, 
rehabilitation and, and how God is bringing her through that. And she's using it in peer support and doing different things through ARC, which is a Kentucky-based mm-hmm. addiction recovery program. I know those folks down in Louisa, great group of people. Um, it makes people uncomfortable. To what I said in my opening statement was that to in uncomfortable, we are to take uh, headlong the situation and go headlong into it and try to mitigate the root cause or root problem. So communities are scared to tackle the reality that is already there. The reality is... You, you so can absolutely right now. Well, you go ahead. So yeah. the reality is, make sure and use the microphone. We are trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube, and we have you have to you have to name it to tame it. I don't know if you guys have ever known that, but in life we're running we're running around, and everybody's on Facebook acting like they are the best thing ever, and their life. So we don't got this together. I'm winging this. Parenting, it's hard. And we live in a community of great people, but we have to name things to tame things. And I'm going to get very uncomfortable now. Th- that but sounds very <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> um, yeah, I've taught 21 years. I got kids going through stuff that you can't even imagine. I, 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 you can't imagine what these babies put up with. And it's heartbreaking, but you know what? When we got to name that, we got to talk about it, or we're not going to get anywhere. Okay. How many agrees with that? And if you know me, I'm pretty direct too. Yeah. I'm. Re- you're. A p- I'm still mad at you. But. Yeah, I don't tell her anything because she tells everybody. You did. I was just here to sell T-shirts this morning, and now I'm up here with a mic. Feels awesome, doesn't it? Yeah, I think this is good stuff. I think Jesus. Um, sometimes sermons, or sometimes church, is so regimented. We make it so regimented. Is this okay? Or is this? Is it okay to have a twice divorced? Um, I mean, what do you want? That's Come it. On, that's, that's my life. Yeah, speak, I mean, I'm here. Speak truth. So yeah, I'm, I'm two times divorced. I'm hard to live with. Some people don't like me, and I don't care. It's okay. There you go. Yeah. That's awesome. I can't wait to see y'all. Yeah, it's it's gonna be good because it's probably the opposite camp of you. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it's probably the opposite camp. You're gonna make that other person probably uncomfortable, but I do that. It's it's gonna be okay. Um, Jesus can use all of us. Amen. Everybody in this room, you prayed a minute ago. God, make me uncomfortable. When you uttered those words, you opened up your life that, uh, that God had free reign to do as he wills with your life. So that's good stuff. And, and I know a few years ago when um, I know it affected Jessica directly uh, when Belfont closed. How many remember that? It affected a lot of people in that region up around Russell and where Leslie grew up and a lot of families and it brought about hard times because Jessica had to make decisions. It was uncomfortable. 
right? Living uncomfortable in the fact that you lost your job. But sometimes God knows better because she was paying somebody else to watch her babies about the amount of money she was making. So really, what's the point of working? And it, you would have never made that decision if that didn't happen. So when Belfort closed, lost her job, her and Shannon decided, we're ending up at the end of the month about the same amount of money. Won't you just stay home and watch the kids and get to raise your babies? Never, yeah. Pick them up from daycare, go home and go to sleep. Do it again. And that's uncomfortable when God shakes the foundation of your world. And that's okay. It's okay. It's going to be okay. Because even in the midst of the storm, like Leslie talked about during her, her song and before her song, sometimes you've got to praise him in the storm. And sometimes in the midst of those earthquakes of your life, it's hard to feel any stability. But guess what? I got Jesus. And if I got him, I've got enough. He is enough. He is the one who changed my life. And if my life is now his, no matter what he puts me in or what circumstance he puts me in, it may be uncomfortable to bend, but if my trust is in him, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be comfortable wherever I'm at because even in uncomfortable circumstances, he can make me comfortable on the inside. And that's what Paul is talking about when he wrote back to Thessalonica. He said, this grace and peace that you have, others are bragging about it. It's not that they didn't have troubles. They did have troubles. They did lose jobs. And becoming a Christian in that culture in that world was giving up on everything in a, in a moral world to say you're Christian you give up a lot of rights just by the, the fact that you state I'm a Christian mm -hmm. it puts you in a corner automatically from others perspective in the world we may living, be living in this world but we're not of this world scripture says I've been set apart Leslie talked about last week so there's still some uncomfortable people in the crowd, and that's a good thing. Um, Do I get dinner? Like, are you going to buy my lunch? I will absolutely buy your lunch. No doubt about it. I will <laughs> buy your lunch. It won't be a problem. <coughs> well, but Leslie will. I mean, she keeps the money. Leslie's kind of like uh, Judas Iscariot. The Bible says he kept the bag. I know, you steal all my money. It's the same thing. Judas was stealing Jesus' money. You're stealing mine. It's the same thing. I could crack a joke about my first marriage, but I won't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You had your turn last week. This is my time. Um, so, Lonetta, there was a person that 
So, Lonetta, there was a person I asked you if they was here today. Do you care to call them out by name? If, yeah, Lonetta, do you care to call out who? <laughs> oh, I, I wanted to make sure that somebody was here. You said that, that was Travis, right? So, oh, it's Travis that's up. Travis Cooper. Yeah, I did that on purpose to make her uncomfortable to call out her husband. So, Travis, you're up. Everybody, welcome Travis to the stage. <laughs> <laughs> he is the complete opposite of Ashley. And he's soft-spoken. He's soft-spoken. <laughs> State your name, sir. Travis Cooper. Um, what was my next question, Ashley? You just had to ask me that. I just spilled it. Okay, you, you went ahead and went with that. How long have you been a Christian? Okay, how long have you been a Christian, Travis? Um, to be true... Um, Probably right at 2005. 2005. And, uh, really got into church and uh, and rooted and grounded in church, and not being of the world, but being of Christ. 17 years. That's a long time. Let's give him a hand clap for 17 years. Not of perfection, no, I know but of a journey. Yes. 17 years in a journey with Christ. Um, are you uncomfortable, Travis? A little bit. A little bit? Okay. Yeah, just make it short. Earl's sitting over laughing. That's where God wants us to be. <laughs> yeah. There is no more chairs. But there's empty chairs we could bring up here, so just know that. Here's a few. Just be careful um, um, how, how you interact at this point because you never know when God calls you. So I want to state just for a second that I was called to preach at youth camp in 2000 and I had gotten saved in October of 1999 so nine months or something like that right after I become a Christian God said you're going to speak in front of people and I was a very introverted, scared to talk in front of people. Public speaking was one of my greatest anxieties. And I remember in eighth grade, seventh grade or eighth grade, eighth, seventh grade, Mr. Harmon, he made us recite Abraham Lincoln. And I was like, I cannot talk in front. I'd, I would rather get an F. I'd got left S my whole life. It wasn't like there was anything new, but <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to take an F on this one. Uh, I've been taking F my whole life, so it wasn't really a big problem, but it seemed to me a big problem at that point in time. So I wasn't comfortable talking in front of people at all. And I could talk to one-on-one -on -one to anybody. And Joe Don, you've lived, we've went from grade school all the way through. Me and Joe Don has lived through a lot of different things. And I could talk to people one-on-one, -on -one, but the second that the second person started listening, my face would turn into a, a beat 
I mean, I, it wasn't just red. It, it would turn purplish red. I mean, I couldn't stand to talk in front of people. Um, Travis, do you uh, resemble those remarks? Do, are, you, are you comfortable speaking in front of people or not? No, no, by no means. Uh, I always felt that uh, I wasn't able to do so, but um, if I felt uncomfortable, then I know I was in the will of God if I'd done any, anything of that sort. So you've spoken in front of people before, though? Yes. Did God call you to speak in front of people? Yes, I believe he had. He, he called me, and uh, <coughs> we've been trying to find our way through a church and uh, finding a church that we can, uh, exp you know, broaden our horizons. Uh, loved our little church and still do that we attended. Uh, by no means we've... Uh, had any conflict or anything like that through it, but um, God has called each and every one of us to do something. It's willing to step out forward to do so. You know, sometimes it feels like your hands are tied, um, that you can't do the things. And then jobs kind of always steered me away from where I thought I needed to be, or I put myself uh, and of running position of thinking that, you know, I'm in control or uh, I make the decisions. God always has brought me back home. Uh, there for a while I was working away from, um, away from home and discouraged. Um, what could I be doing for the Lord? Um, I haven't signed any papers to be a member of one church um, but since you all have been talking about the, the new church and I asked you if anybody had a vision I don't know if anybody has stopped up there or drove by there to see where the sun lays in the morning or where the sun lays in the afternoon but the I don't have a great vision of what it would look like, but you have told me some of the things that you would like to see. And I hope and pray that everybody has uh, somewhat of a vision of a church that they would want to walk into. And this is a, a small bit of a church that you would love to walk into or you wouldn't be here. We're all old enough to, uh, to get up quietly and leave when you think that you need to be. But to see a vision is not is something greater uh, that they've been talking about as being uncomfortable. Um, when you start to ask God to work in you, you uh, you're asking a lot um, to get you out of situations. He's always allowed uh, a way out, and uh, He's always made it to where you don't have to make a scene to get out. You don't have to say words to get out. You're just He's made a way for you to, to he's, he's opened a door for you. But if there's a vision that you have to see, um, I've probably wore Lonetta's ear out over the last few weeks of just that church that's not even built yet in our eyes. In God's way, it's already structured. It's already starting 
the vision of what he wants through each and every one of us, not just by one that you feel that sometimes you come to church and this person may have control or that person has control. But if we allow the devil to take part of anything that is negative and you feed that, it'll grow. So when Leslie had said that last week that hell was going to break loose, if you feed that, it will grow. Being uncomfortable, uh, we'll let we'll let you come up here and talk. But um, <laughs> the, we've seen a lot happen, and just being at other churches, and I, we've been through a lot of churches. You know, far as going to different churches, I've spoke to a lot of you know in different churches, and we've went to revivals and stuff like that. And there's a lot of beautiful churches. But I would be just settled with a little, a little church like this. It doesn't have to have a name. Uh, to me, it doesn't have to have a name over the door. But if it's Christ-based and, and bought by the blood of Christ, then that's all we need. Whether you're speaking to one person or to thousands of people, uh, it's really no different than being uncomfortable. Because sometimes we feel in our own in our own ways that we have to be uh, something else that we're not. You have to be that person to be able to speak to people and, and keep their attention. But uh, yeah, the, the last few weeks I've probably wore her ear out over the what it would look like and what it could be like and what this community needs because like I was going to say, you know, being at, going to other churches and being busy and and all that, you get to see other churches doing things. And why can't churches group together? That was my main question. Why can't we join hands together rather than being against each other like it's a, uh, a competition, like, a, you know, like you know, schools having their rivalries and stuff. We're teaching our children in that. Sports is great, and I love sports. My boys played sports, and, and my oldest played from as soon as they told him he could play football to the, his senior year. And if it wasn't from Ashley, too, like I told Alex, if it wasn't from Ashley, I don't think mine would probably would have or would have even went to the next grade. She had helped him so much, and we appreciate that. And we probably never told you, but uh, just different people have different ways of teaching children. And God has given each and every one of us a way to reach out to somebody, whether we're uncomfortable or not. And I told Lonetta once before, if you're uncomfortable, you can always lean up on Joe Don. We loved her from day one. And I can remember her in school. When he's uncomfortable, you just get her around. Somebody else is going to be uncomfortable. It wasn't going to be you. <laughs> she had set him straight. Wayne just said amen. <laughs> That's awesome um, to verbalize what you, you just stated that about a vision and, and seeing things before they happen and how that God knows tomorrow before we ever get there. He knows 
10 years from now before we ever get there. He knows eternity before we get there. He, he exists in eternity where everything already exists. And it's already reality. We've got to see it come to pass. But ain't you glad he knows tomorrow before you get there what you need? Just like Jesus said. Mm-hmm. I, so hope, that's hope of eternal things and that God can do. According to Scripture, exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, the Apostle Paul said, that he'll do exceedingly, everybody say it, exceedingly, exceedingly. abundantly, abundantly. Above, all above all that we ask or think. That's him. That's who God is. He is the source of everything. And I got a couple of pictures. Leslie, if you'll, not that one. So, um, Ashley, if you'll. Yes. Who who's the two people getting beating here? You have no idea. Travis, do you care to? That's Paul and Silas. So Travis wins that award. It's okay. Uh, yeah, because the people that we're talking about is Paul and Silas, but they met Timothy on a missionary journey, and he was a young man. Timothy was so. They had gotten beaten, and they were placed in the jail. So, Leslie, I think this next thing. So, when they were sitting in a jail cell in a region that was not home, so it would be like us going to be a missionary to a foreign country, Ecuador, Amy, Right, Guatemala. Getting there, preaching good news, telling people about salvation and how good Jesus is. And here's what they do in return. They beat you. They put you in a prison. And they put these stocks on your feet and shackles on your hand. But this story is in Acts chapter 16. So I like pictures because it's like a thousand words, so I don't have to say as much. So Leslie's next one, if you'll show that it was clearer on my phone than that. But it's called the cat of nine tails. Mm -hmm. So this is what they whipped Jesus with. So before his crucifixion, they took him out and they you know, they had to beat him. And, And this was a common occurrence. So what Jesus endured was not something that was abnormal. It was normal throughout their society in the Roman Empire. People get out of line, what do you do? You beat them. And literally, the, this the cat of nine tails is, is the handle with these ropes attached to it, nine of them, and they would put shards of glass, um, anything they could put in, stones. They would tie them into these knots, frayed down through that. And when they whipped you, it literally opened up mm-hmm. your back. So that just wasn't like lashes that happened. But then when they did it, and these Roman 
centurions, the Roman guards, when they would do this, they learned the technique that as it hit, if they pulled and yanked fast enough, that it would rip. So it wasn't enough that they had the authority because of what, what country they was from or what they was a citizen of or the rights they had. It become more gruesome. And it become tyranny. And even the Roman emperor, they applauded it. They laughed at it. They, they got to the point where they was putting Christians in coliseums to fight lions. They would go get these, all these different animals throughout the earth that could kill a human in an instant. And they would put you in a big arena like the UFC, cage you in, and because you believed in Jesus, this looks, and I've seen some of your face and some of your eyes when I was saying <laughs> the cat on tails, it's like, that is brutal. That is awful. And it is. And it's uncomfortable to think that the beginning Christians in the first century endured those things. But that was the least. Paul bragged about that he got that. Because that was the easy stuff. How comfortable would we be today if we would find out that our government system faltered because we think in our comfortableness that we're just okay here, right? It's all going to be okay. Why? Because it's always been okay. We got government. We got cops. We got a government system. We got a stock market. We got IRAs. We got pensions. But do we really? Is there anything guaranteed? I don't think so. There's no promise. And that's uncomfortable. But those Christians that endure these things, counted the cost when they come to Christ. And I love what both of these two stated during their statements. She said when she was 13, 14, at a youth camp, it's pretty easy to be a Christian there. Yeah. A lot of other Christians around. Mm -hmm. Wherever you do come to Jesus, everybody's clapping. Woo! Another one comes to Jesus. Put you in the water, baptize you. rest of the girls in your dorm or your rooms will just praying with you and just what a happy day Travis said when he come to Christ for real <laughs> how many knows it's different coming to Christ and coming to Christ for real and I remember doing that what, during my teenage years I come to church and went to an altar and prayed and I gave my life to Jesus I did and I remember walking out the door thinking man it's changed everything's different I feel the weight lifted and within a week, I'd messed up, and I gave up on all of it. I thought, this is going to be too hard. I can't do that. 
I remember going through and partying with all my friends and stuff, but we would always tell you, man, Scott Dummett, Matt Dummett, all of us, we'd say, when I go to Christ and when I join church, it's going to be for real. I'm either going for real or I'm not going. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. And when I got in, I tempted all in. But I can promise you, I've been a hypocrite. Is it, is it uncomfortable when your pastor tells you you've been a hypocrite? <laughs> Probably, but that's okay. But we've got to learn from each other and lean on each other and encourage each other because hopefully and prayerfully none of us ever see this. But aren't we guaranteed that we're not going to? No. And that's scary to think about. And it's uncomfortable to think about that, that my normalcy that I love and my comfort of my home that I love and the comfort of my citizenship that I love and the comfort of my family that I love can be gone in an instant. I had that. I was diagnosed with MS at the age of 30. I don't know. And some of my kids can remember. And when you... When you are like, I'm going to live this life, and I'm going to have 2.5 kids, and I'm going to be married forever, and then they look at you. Uh, hold up. How do you have a half a kid? <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay. Right. In my head, that's, that's what, that was it, 2.5 okay. kids. 2.5, okay. So when you're sitting there in the doctor's office, and you don't know what's wrong, and they look at you, and you're 30 years old, and you're pretty good, and then they say, you know what, you've got three marshmallows on your brain that's eating the lining, and you need to be ready at 35 that you may possibly be immobile you want to talk about questioning your faith you want to talk about questioning what happened what so then I fed into it for a little bit and I took all the medicine and did all the things and then I just got great big and fat and real mad and then I talked I did <laughs> then I talked to my mom and we just started praying and now I'm 44 and still get around pretty good so yeah when you when you get hit with something right smack dab in your face it questions, and you're, so you just got to get through it. You just got to get through it. Yep, and he won't leave you. He, he will won't not leave, leave you, you. Nor, for, nor forsake you. So I'm going I'm to read you some verses here, and just stick with us. And I know we're a little bit over, but I, I think Stomach's this is worth it. Yeah, mine too. We're, we're going to eat, Ashley. We're going to go eat. Again, I say, I don't think that I'm a fool to talk like this, even if you do listen to me. As you would to a foolish person, while also boast a little. Such boasting is not from the Lord, but I'm acting like a fool. <laughs> this is Apostle Paul. And since others boast about their human achievements, I will too. After all, you think you are so wise, but you enjoy putting up with fools. You put up with it when someone enslaves you takes everything you have, takes advantage of you, takes control of everything, and slaps you in the face. I'm ashamed to say that we, we've been too weak to do that. But whatsoever they dare to boast about, I'm talking like a fool again. I dare you to boast about it too. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? 
I know I sound like a madman, but I've served him far more. I've worked harder. I've been put in prison often. Been whipped times without number. And faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes with that. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from the rivers and from robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from Gentiles. I've faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and I've often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I've daily burden of my concern for the churches who is weak without feeling that weakness who is led astray and I do not burn with anger if I must boast I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who is worthy of eternal praise knows I'm not lying when I was in Damascus the governor under King Aratus kept the guards of the cities gates to catch me and I had to be lowered in a basket through a window of the city wall to escape him Apostle Paul just close your eyes and bow your head if you will Jesus, make me uncomfortable in my comfortable. In Jesus' name. Let's see if you'll put that last slide up, the blue one. The one with the blue writing. Travis, if you'll read that. is no longer I who lives but Christ lives in me Galatians 2 20 that's the apostle Paul's writing it's no longer I who live but Christ lives in me 
Ashley, if you'll pray for the church that that we would die to ourselves. And it's these prayers that we just prayed for to be uncomfortable. That God would use us. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I pray that through this week, anyone that we come in contact with, let us speak the words that you give us. And when all else fails, just let them see Jesus in us. 